I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. are back from hiatus we are rested we're feeling rejuvenated we look Mm -hmm. as if we've had plastic surgery but we haven't we're just really well rested (laughs) we're we're moisturizing (laughs) everything's better so we're back and we missed you and we're excited to get a couple of episodes going for you guys um danielle how was break break was good not really much to report but so it was talk a to nice me about break. hockey. Hockey's going. We're in playoffs. Round two. My team is continuing on. So that's good. Who's Not my team? local team. My other team. The Boston Bruins are my other team. So they're continuing on. Colorado's doing great. You may have Stanley Cup champions. You don't work. That's what it seems like right now. So... Time to get on the bandwagon if you're not. Yay, sports! It's time. I don't know. Yay, sports! Yay! I don't know. Um, (laughs) We'll see. When I was new to Denver and single, I did attend some hockey games that were local, but I had different. They were fun. They were fun, yes. It was manly men on skates, and here everybody's got a beard. It was fantastic. Um, Can't go wrong with the big dudes skating. You really can't. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is. It's kind of cool. Anyways, well, good. I'm glad that you had a good break. Yeah. Um, it was a nice so, break. Yeah, we, we, we deserve it. We're going to do that, I think, whenever we, going forward, whenever we just kind of feel like we need a break, we're just going to take one because this is fun for us. It's a hobby. We don't want it to ever feel like work. So sometimes we just need a break. So thanks for sticking yeah. with us. Thanks for coming back. We're excited to mm-hmm. be back. I have a special book to uh, present today. It's kind of a fan favorite. Special book. But before I do, um, Danielle, can you talk to us about what kind of snacks you're going to have tonight? So tonight, I'm just happy, which is a really weird snack. My mom made some homemade croutons, and that's what I'm eating. So, <laughs> no judgment. Croutons are my snack today. Carbs are always welcome. And they're homemade, so they're better than normal carbs. And <laughs> we're trying out our new sponsor, which is Plum Deluxe Tea. And I'm having some of their delicious tea to go along with my croutons, which is a weird combination, but oh well, that's what happens. Yes. You raid the kitchen. Yes, tonight's episode is sponsored by Plum Deluxe Tea, and they were kind enough to send both Danielle and I each our own box of tea to try. So I'll be talking mm-hmm. about mine on the next episode. Which which flavor did you try? It's the Full Moon Chai Tea, and it's delicious. Ooh, you're a chai I drinker. I love chai. And I like things with the, the name moon in them, the word moon in them. Excellent. So. Okay, cool. Well, it's very yummy. 
I'm glad you like it. You guys, this is a great tea company. We're going to put the links up in our Facebook group as well as um, Mm -hmm. the show notes on Twitter and probably on Instagram. Maybe we'll take a picture of our cute little tea setup. Again, the company name is Plum Deluxe Tea, and they have all kinds of different things to choose from, a bazillion different flavors. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. I don't know if they sent you the same, but they sent me the the, the chai. They sent me self-care herbal tea and gratitude blend black tea and no. a cute heart infuser. So they specifically asked me for our specific flavor profiles. So I got different tea than you got. So I'm glad nice. but it's like... But I just I reached out to them about being a sponsor and they were very responsive. They like they wanted to make sure that we were trying tea that we liked, mm-hmm. which I thought was very cool. And then the packages that they sent were so cute. And it, it, yeah, they did. sent us a little cute. heart infuser. Yes. So cute. We love Plum Deluxe Tea. So today we're going to be talking about the babysitter. And yes, it's a fan favorite. It's very popular. There's actually like four sequels to this one, which I don't fully understand after reading the book because I'm not sure where else we're going to take this unless we like move to different babysitters. I don't know. Tell me at the Mm. end if you think that this is going to have four sequels because it does. (laughs) But yeah, we took a break. I wanted to come back. Come back hard and fast at you with some classics here because this one is actually a point horror and I'll get to that in a minute but I thought it was really cute in my copy like on the inside cover it's written Kristen Parker ask to use explanation point so Kristen hmm. Parker this is a formal request wherever you are we need to use your book <laughs> And the babysitter, like I said, it's a point horror. Wikipedia has it listed as point horror number six. So far we've covered Blind Date, Twisted, and The Snowman. And I'm sorry to all those people that like us to go in order. We don't do anything in order. I know we read point horror like (laughs) one and two and then like six and 12. Who knows? Whatever. So the cover on this one is a scene from the point of view of someone who is outside of a house, like looking in through the living room window. Hmm. There's this generic living room furniture. There's a couch and a lamp and a coffee table and the phone. And sitting on the couch is is a young girl with this like truly amazing striped sweater on. <laughs> uh, she's kind of like hugging herself and looking back at the viewer in fear. She's not unattractive, um, but not that kind of classic young pretty girl that we normally get on the front of these books so much so that i noted that in fact her eyes look almost red in that like eye shine kind of way where you take pictures on a digital camera i don't know a little weird copyright is 1989 by scholastic ink yeah this one's from the 80s Yeah, somebody told me some bullshit about how now, like, we're closer to 2050 or something than we are to the ni- or 2030 than we are to the 90s. I was like, you shut your stupid mouth. That's not true. I don't need that negative energy in my life, basically. I'm just like, go yeah. away. Like, go away. 40 is not around the corner. You just be quiet. The tagline reads, every step she takes, he'll be watching. Okay, did this, like, 
predate the police or I don't this know. Thing? We should look it up. I would look it up on my computer, but my D and my F keys are currently not functioning. So I have trouble searching for things at the moment. Why are you typing so much with the D and the F? I have no idea. It was working fine. And then when I came back <laughs> from my mom's, all of a sudden the D and the F key don't work. So it works as a tablet, but not as a computer. So I've been working on the, the desktop a bunch, but it makes searching for things a little bit difficult. At least you have the tablet function. Right? Okay. So just to close the loop, Every Breath You Take was released in 1983. Oh, so, they so were is after the stalker anthem. Yes. Okay. God bless the police. Let's do it. Let's let's figure out about this babysitter. Sting's Jenny? doing the next residency in Las Vegas. Sting's doing Sting what? Is this thing? A residency at Caesars in Las Vegas soon. <laughs> oh, it hasn't started yet. Yeah, but you got to think if we got mess because of the pandemic, you know? Right. But if we're old, Sting is really old. Is he in his 60s, 70s? I don't, he might be 70. I don't know. He's got to be in almost his like, I bet he's mid 60s. Or more. Yeah, either mid mid late or or seventy. I can't okay, think about I'm that sorry. long. And uh, <laughs> Jenny and Laura are riding the bus. It's a city bus. Jenny has this like very vivid imagination. Right. And she's sitting there daydreaming while Laura is talking about boys. That's what Laura does. And she asks <laughs> Jenny why she seems so nervous about babysitting tonight. And Jenny explains that there are a number of things to be nervous about. She's never babysat for this family. They could be weird. The kid could be awful. They could be a cult members, stuff like that. Laura doesn't even argue. Uh, she's used to Jenny and her like crazy brain that just can't seem to help but build up wild fantasies about everything. So these two girls are riding the bus and right away we learn that Laura is the bold one and Jenny is kind of more reserved. Laura sees some boy from school in his yard like as the bus is passing by and she makes this big show about like reaching across Jenny and like trying to get the window up so that she can like scream out the window at this guy whose name I guess is Bob. And she's yelling like, hey Bob, hey Bob, Bob, what's up? You know, and, and Jenny is sitting there trying to like just melt into the seat because like people are staring at her. She's kind of used to Laura acting this way, but Jenny's, like I said, a lot more reserved. So Laura gives no fucks, right? We've established that. Laura is mm -hmm. also extremely pretty. She's petite with shoulder length, curly blonde hair. And according to Jenny, Laura is apparently a, like a little bit of a man eater. Well, I, or I guess like a teenage boy eater. And you know, next to Laura, our girl Jenny, she feels kind of plain. I mean, she's, she's really not. She's just that like different kind of pretty. You know, Laura is short, Jenny is tall. Laura is blonde, Jenny's brunette. And while Jenny wasn't exactly, you know, the school garden tool, there had been some interest from the boys at the high school about Jenny. Laura asks if Jenny's gonna go out with Chuck. So Chuck is new 
at Harrison High. Because remember, we're not in Shadyside right now. This is Point Horror. So we're in a totally different okay. town. So Chuck's new at Harrison High, but he's already kind of like a big hit with everybody. Because he's definitely that guy that's trying to get like class clown in the yearbook. He does a number of dumb things all the time for laughs. Like he's one of those guys that I'm, we're not sure if he can turn it off. Which is annoying, but okay. One example they give is, you know, remember that time that Chuck convinced a substitute teacher that he was deaf and he spent the whole day like throwing fake sign language at her and like pretending to be really frustrated when she couldn't understand him? That's that's what Chuck does. Chuck's that guy. And while both the girls agree that Chuck is cute and hilarious, when he asks Jenny out, she kind of puts him off. She's like, I'm busy. You know, I've got stuff to do. And let's be real. It's it's not that she doesn't like Chuck, but Jenny's reserved. Like, could you imagine going on a date with Chuck if you didn't like attention? Right. And also, you know, Jenny has this wild imagination. So she already has it in her head that, like, she wants to think out all these, like, crazy scenarios about how a date like that would go. And she sometimes prefers this method to actually doing stuff. You know, she just wants to stay home and, like, think through, like, all the things that could happen, but actually not go do them. So they ride on the bus. Jenny tells Laura that she's going to be babysitting for a new family from now on every Thursday and Saturday evening. And can I just pause here? As someone with children, who the fuck goes out twice a week every week? With children? Yeah. Who does that? Who has the money and the time? To go out twice a week and pay a babysitter. I just, this is a life I'm not familiar with. I mean, I don't even go out two times a week when it's, when I, I don't have children. Yeah, you don't have standing so. <laughs> date twice a week with your, with your boyfriend? No. Where you're going to no. like leave the house and go places? Well, this family does. So that's what she's doing. She's going to go babysit for them every Thursday and Saturday going forward. Alrighty. Laura asks, how'd you get this job? And Jenny says, you know what? That's a funny story. Um, I was at the mall and this little kid tried to climb into a fountain af after like a toy that he had dropped into it. So, you know, I went over and I was like, um, you know, where are your parents? And the kid's like, oh, you know, I don't really know, but my name's Donnie. So Jenny tells Laura that she kind of just sits with Donnie at the fountain until his parents show up. I guess he had sort of like wandered off and they had been looking for him for like the last 20 minutes. And since she seems to care about the kid and they got along okay kind of sitting on the bench, Donnie's parents offered her this babysitting job. But that's it. That's all she knows about this family. Laura doesn't seem to think that that's weird at all. And she's like, okay, bye, Jenny. And she gets off the bus. <laughs> Riding the city bus has made Jenny about 10 minutes late to her babysitting job. So she's hustling down the street. It's a very nice old neighborhood. There's this long row of old big houses sitting on manicured lawns. The back of the houses kind of rest against a very dense line of trees and what Jenny assumes are the start of a large wooded area. 
As she's hustling down to the right house, some random dog comes out of the woods and kind of barks at her a couple times and starts running back. It is late autumn, it's very crisp, kind of cold, so she's ready to get into the house. Everything seems fine, and you know, her imagination starts to kind of work as she's walking up to the door and she just feels like something's off. Like something is something is weird. But she can't quite put her finger on it. She finally comes to the mailbox marked Hagen. This was it. But holy crap, this house. Old, Victorian, very run down. Not in a, like, time has passed kind of a way, but in a, like, we don't give a fuck about this house kind of a way. Example, so there's a, there's a broken window off to the side of the, of the door. And instead of, like, it being boarded up or whatever, like, somebody has just, like, stuffed newspapers into the hole that's been broken out of it. Oh. Weird. Jenny's about 15 minutes late. She doesn't have a lot of time to, like, assess the situation, right? So she goes up the walk. Right. She knocks on the door because, of course, the doorbell is broken. Mr. Hagen answers the door, and he seems, like, super nervous. As he welcomes her in, he takes her jacket. He takes it upstairs. He apologizes for the state of the house. He says that they've just inherited it and moved in and that they're planning on fixing it up just as soon as he's had time to settle in at his new job. Mrs. Hagen comes into the hall and greets Jenny. Mrs. Hagen, for some reason, is trying really hard to look like an old lady, which is weird because Mr. Hagen seems to be kind of like young and good looking. They don't seem to really match at all. Like Mrs. Hagen is in like a long skirt and she's got like her hair pinned up. It's kind of weird. Jenny notices as Mr. Hagen comes back down the stairs that he's he's kind of limping. She's shown into the old living room where Donnie, the boy from the mall, is sitting on the carpet in front of the TV watching Ghostbusters on VHS. He's being a punk kid. He's not even looking up from his movie as Jenny comes in to say hi. The parents do all of the normal stuff, right? Telling Donnie to listen to Jenny. Jenny's in charge. Here's all the emergency numbers, blah, blah, blah. So they leave for the evening. But not before Mrs. Hagen reminds Jenny to keep all the doors locked because of the recent attacks on babysitters. Jenny agrees and she says that she saw that on the news too, about how someone was breaking into houses while people were babysitting and beating the shit out of them. So this isn't like a killer thing. This is like, we're going to break into your house and beat the crap out of you. Oh. Which I don't understand. Please. Why did we not make it's not this? A good selling it's sort of lame. I expect more from Stein. I want like a horrific, horrible death for all these babysitters that have come before. We need to be in fear. I don't. I mean, you could beat me well, up. That but must it's cool. be why they have five sequels. <laughs> I guess. Maybe he needed to escalate. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. I was a little disappointed in this bit. So, yeah, so that was a weird random conversation they have because after she's like, yeah, make sure all the doors are locked. So, good night. Bye. Good luck with that. We're still going out, though. It's cool. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Donnie real quick. A couple of things we learn about Donnie. Number one. Okay. <laughs> Number one, Donnie has a stupid name. 
Do you think it's short for something? I don't know what it would be short for, though. But this is 89. Like, his parents. Oh. No, he's probably, like, named after the new kid on the block. Donnie and Marie. No. I was thinking more Donnie and Marie, because this kid's, like, nine or something. So that would, like, mean that his parents were together in the 70s. Yeah, there was a lot of Donnie, Donnie happening. Walter. Yeah. Could be Donnie. Oh, Marky Mark. <laughs> no, not Marky Mark. Yeah. Donnie won't work. Not Wrong his, person. his brother. That's right. Who is the pants dropper? <laughs> I forget. Oh, it was him. It was Donnie. Okay. He was, it was Donnie. We, okay, so number one, Donnie has a stupid name. Number two, Donnie has amazing hair. Okay, this is a theme. It's it's very white, blonde, and silky. He is a walking Pantene commercial, and Jenny is so fascinated <laughs> by it. She's at one point she says, "quote It looks like a shimmering gold bowl," so we can assume he has a little bowl cut. <laughs> Number three, Donnie is a little bit of a shit. Okay, but in the way that like everybody is with babysitters. So I mean, nothing above and beyond. Right. He's just—he's definitely a spoiled kid. He's definitely going to work some angles on this new babysitter. The second his parents step out the door, he asks for a candy bar. And what I can assume is hours later, because I'm—I think she gave it to him. He has this like sugar crash, and Jenny tucks him into bed. So what do you do when you're in a strange house and the kid you're babysitting has gone to bed? You, like, watch movies and stuff. Or you call your boyfriend if you have one. Okay, or you call are, your friend if you have those one of those. Those are both good <laughs> options. But I, I think that, that we can also agree that you're probably going to snoop around a little bit. Oh, snoop? Potentially. Yeah, Potentially. it's time to snoop. So she's looking around. She's not impressed with this rundown old house and all the furnishings in it, which Mrs. Hagen had said had kind of come with the house. I've never, ever heard of anyone getting a house full of furniture, but cool. There's an old, loud, ticking grandfather clock, like one of those really loud grandfather clocks. And Jenny, being Jenny, of course, makes up some kind of like elaborate backstory for it. She's basically just walking around the house and freaking herself out when she thinks she hears a bang from outside. She goes to look out the window and she can only see the woods that are surrounding the old house. Old houses make tons of noises, especially if you're not used to them. And she is deciding to, like, just calm down. She heads into the kitchen. When something reaches out and grabs her leg. And she screams like a maniac. She knows that this is the end for her. It's all over. Something horrible has got her. But when she looks down, it's just a little ginger cat that's run away when she tries to pet it. Okay, Jenny. I think we all know the difference between a hand grabbing our leg versus a cat trying to get some love, but okay. So she heads up to check on Donnie, thinking that her screaming like an idiot must have woke him up. But he is in a kid coma. Like, he is not moved at all. It's almost... It's almost like a Twilight Zone episode, right? It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a very slow burn. He does a really good job of, like, stacking these tiny, like, little things on top of each other that are slightly weird and spooky, but by themselves wouldn't be enough for alarm. Just enough to, like, put her on edge. (laughs) 
So she's just checked on Donnie and she hears this like howling outside. And when she looks out the window, she thinks she sees shadows in the tree line. She decides, all right, that's it. Like, I'm going to go for a snack. I, you know, it's calm, calm the fuck down. You're the person in charge, right? Pep talk, self pep right. talk. So she goes in the kitchen, but unfortunately there's a newspaper laid out with headlines about how there's now been a third attack on a babysitter. She remembers that she brought a book. She's like, that'll help me mellow out. Cool. So she goes over and reaches for the book she's bought. It's a Stephen King novel. Maybe a bad idea if you're already freaked out. So she's deciding. Perhaps, perhaps it's convenient. Little nod to Mr. King there. (laughs) Trying to decide, okay, do I read this book or not? And she hears definitely a footstep. Like, 100% that's a footstep. So she stops and listens and her own breath is very loud but she hears it again for sure this is a footstep and then there's another footstep and then there's another one and someone is in the house who's in the house danielle we don't we haven't met anyone yet or maybe it's her friend did her friend know she was babysitting there? Her friend did know she was babysitting. You think it was Laura? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's Laura. Okay, it was not Laura. I'm sorry. I don't do this to humiliate no. you. We have to have some back and forth. Um, do a doubt? No, it's it's Donnie. Okay, the little twerp was trying to sneak oh. up and scare her because you know Donnie he was also- too obvious. He lives there. Yeah, he he was just trying to sneak up and scare her, but he claims, you know, he got up and he was thirsty, but also he wanted to scare her. Everything's fine. Cool. Get me a drink. So she gets him a drink. She takes him back upstairs. She tucks him into bed. And then she does something that makes me really like her. Okay. I was on the fence about Ginny until now. So Donnie insists he can't go back to sleep without a story, specifically a scary story. So Jenny tells him one, and it's pretty great. It's about a boy who looks just like Donnie, who tried to scare his babysitter. And the babysitter in the story gets so scared that her eyes pop out and they have to find them and shove them back in. And then she's also so scared that she jumps out of her skin and it takes her a really long time to get it all back on. The babysitter in the story goes on to even get the little boy in the end. And it's a good story. And Donnie is laughing his ass off. Jenny promises to tell the story again, only scarier, when she comes back to sit for him on Saturday. He promises to go to sleep, and she heads back downstairs. In a much better mood. The little turkey was growing on her, and us, because, you know, when the kids Mm -hmm. are spooky, we can all relate to that. We wanted scary stories, Mm -hmm. too. But as she reaches the bottom of the stairs, there's these three hard knocks on the front door. She freezes. The knocks come again. She goes to the window, but she can't see anything. There was no peephole and no windows and no way to tell who was out there. It couldn't be the Hagens. It was too early for them to be back. But the knocks sounded a third time. And I had to laugh here because Ginny goes like full on Christmas story, right? She immediately jumps to that whole like, it's a burglar, you know, the kind that knock. 
And she imagines them in like their like full raccoon, like 1920s burglar outfit with like the stripes, striped shirt and like an eye mask, you know, if only the Lone Ranger could show up and save her. But yeah, she straight up goes there. There's a guy on the other side of the door, full on regalia. (laughs) And now let's talk about the next three decisions that she makes that are especially stupid. Number one, she calls, who's there? To which, of course, there's no answer. Number two, she opens the door. Why? Because she's a kid. I don't know. She finds a short, powerfully built, middle-aged man with a nose that looks like it's been broken a few times. He introduces himself as Mr. Willers, the neighbor, and asks if the Hagens are home. Number three, she says, no, they're not home. In fact, they go out every Thursday night. All the time. This bitch. All I can say... She's a teenager. She clearly did not watch enough Unsolved Mysteries or Forensic Files growing up. Because those of us who were raised on nope. that shit, you're never, ever going to kidnap me or break into my house because I know all the tricks. Nope. Yep. You know, but, I mean, even if you didn't, you just know better than to open the door. Well, it's, it's hilarious. It's like she calls who's there. No one answers. So And he can hear her. So clearly he wants her to open the door. She opens the door, right. and then not only does she admit that she's in the house alone, but she gives him a schedule about where she'll be alone in the house right. for the foreseeable future. Foreseeable future. <laughs> Nicely done. Good job, Jenny. But Mr. Willers You're goes on to say die. that, you know, there's been a prowler in the neighborhood, and he thought he saw someone in the Hagen's yard. And then he asks if he can come in and look around, you know, just to be safe. He just wants to check. And Jenny says no. She's fine. That he does not need to come in and check the house. And Mr. Willard says, you know, if she needs anything, he'll be nearby. And he leaves. Now it's the next day and Laura and Jenny are sitting in the back booth of the pizza oven. It's after school and Jenny just told Laura all about babysitting the night before. Laura asks if Jenny told Mr. Hagen about the creepy neighbor coming by. And Jenny's like, no, I mean, there's not really anything to tell. What am I going to say? Your neighbor was here? Yes, Jenny, but she doesn't. So then Chuck pops up from under the table where he has been hiding. I can't tell. You're going to have to help me. I can't tell if Chuck is aggressive or charming. Yeah, I'm he not does, sure yet either. He does so many things for attention. It's it's really hard to tell what his real motives are. So, for example, yeah. she asks, what the hell are you doing under here? And he's like, oh, I was just looking up your skirt. Which is not as dirty as it seems because they both clearly had on pants. Um, mm. You know, so then he kind of like drops down beside Jenny. Right. He puts his arm around her. Laura knows that that's her cue and she bails. What a bitch. While Chuck calls loudly after her that he thought she'd never leave. (laughs) Jenny 
is not hating what's happening, okay? Just to be clear, she doesn't hate what's going right. on, but she, she does think, like, he's too close. So she asks him to, like, move around to the other side of the table, which he does. He does immediately. Like, he doesn't give her any shit about it. And he calms down just a little bit. Uh, he, he reads, like, kind yeah. of a creep. But in reality, yeah. like, that's the kind of shit I would have found so charming as a teenager. Nice. Um, I don't know. It depends on the delivery. It's all about the swagger. It's not, like, my jam particularly, but possible. No, it's same. But I would be lying if I if I didn't say that, like, that guy, the guy that's always, like, pulling shit, was fascinating. We're on this date with Chuck. We're not really sure about him. Could be charming. Could be a creep. We're not real sure. Although Jenny kind of likes him. She does kind of like him. She asks, you know, how long ago he moved to town. And Chuck tells her that he and his dad moved there a few months ago from Mars. And then there's this whole conversation about, like, no, no, no. Mars really is a town in Pennsylvania. And she's like, you're bullshit. (laughs) And Chuck's like, no, I'll bring you a map. Really, it's, we moved from Mars. (laughs) (laughs) And... So here's Chuck's problem. Chuck can't turn it off. Okay? He does not know when to stop. He does like her. He asks her out for Saturday night. She says she can't. She's babysitting. He's like, okay, that's cool. I'll just, I'll just go stop by while you're babysitting. And she's like, no, but he keeps pushing. And no matter what she says, even as she storms out of the pizza oven, he keeps telling her he's going to come by and see her the next time she's babysitting. So it's the next night, which is Saturday. And she's late to babysit again. This damn city bus got like a flat and they had to wait for someone to come and fix it. But the Hagans, they don't really seem to care. You know, they go out again, whatever. They were only out the night before last, but cool. Go out again. Donnie wants to play hide and seek. And even though Jenny is tired, she agrees to play. But, you know, just for a little while. Donnie is hiding first and Jenny is supposed to count down from 100. And after shouting, ready or not, here I come, Jenny goes to look for him. The little creep is really good at hiding. And Jenny enters a number of rooms that look straight out of a horror movie. Old, nasty furnishings covered in dust and cobwebs. Several pieces of furniture draped in old white cloths. Donnie could literally be anywhere, right? It's a big house. She checks the pantry. She keeps hearing these, like little creaks and what she thinks sounds like giggling coming from around corners and in dark places only to discover that Donnie's not there. She yells that she gives up. Donnie needs to come out and Donnie immediately jumps out of a nearby closet and scares the ever-loving shit out of her. (laughs) Okay, time for bed, punk. She takes him upstairs, tucks him in, and then comes back to the living room. As she reaches the bottom of the stairs, the phone rings. At first, there seems to be no one on the other line, but then she hears this, like, breathing. She says, hello? Who is this? And no one answers. But the breathing on the other end kind of gets more labored. And now there's this, like, kind of, like, guttural groan. Ew. Ew. 
So Jenny has a thought, okay? She, she has this thought. She carefully sets down the phone and she runs up the stairs where she finds Donnie standing at a hall table holding a phone to his ear. It's an extension. And here's where I explain to all the children that before cell phones, a house had one phone number and many phones throughout the house that are all connected together. So if you're talking on a phone in run room and if someone is really good at snooping, they can pick up the other phone in the other room <laughs> and hear your conversation. Right. Now, normally when that happens, there's a little click when the other phone is picked up. So you got to be really slick about it. Right. Not that I would know from personal experience. I've heard from other people. <laughs> so Ginny asks why Donnie would call just to scare her. But he insists he didn't make the call. He just heard the phone ring and he wanted to pick up the extension and listen in. She thinks he's telling the truth, but then she just, you know, she tells him, go back to bed, go back to bed, Donnie. Donnie reminds her, you know, you promised to tell me a story this time. But she's like, no, 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 it's too late. Fuck off. Go back to bed. So she goes back down the stairs and the Go second <laughs> she hangs up the phone, it rings again. She decides, you know what, she's just not going to answer it. But it just keeps ringing. And again, pre-cell phone, you couldn't just hit ignore. Those people could literally keep ringing your house as long as they want. And she knows that if it keeps going on, like, Donnie's not going to go back to sleep. So she answers. And this time, there's a male voice on the other line. Asking if she's alone. If she's ready for company. The voice says that company is coming and hangs up before she can say anything. She's trying to work out who called. Okay, she knows that Chuck made a threat about visiting her while she was babysitting, but she doesn't think that it's him for some reason. She thought about the neighbor, maybe it was him, but she's kind of unsure about that too. I mean, should she call the police? What exactly would she tell them? You know, would they believe her? What could they even do about it? I mean, there's no caller ID. She's thinking this through, and the phone rings again. It's Mr. Hagen this time. He's worrying, and he's nervous. You know, he's asking about Donnie. Is everything okay? Is Donnie okay? Did he get to sleep on time? Has he been in any trouble? All the normal parent questions. Jenny assures him, you know, everything's fine. So he hangs up and she decides that she, she's overreacting about the earlier call. She's not going to call the police. She heads into the den and pulls out a textbook to try and get some homework done. But of course, it's impossible to concentrate. She starts looking around. She notices there's a framed picture of Donnie. But as she gets closer, she realizes that it's not Donnie. It's a little girl, about three years old, who looks exactly like Donnie. Donnie had a sister. Then she realizes that whatever had happened to this little girl, she was not here now. And you know, that actually explains a lot. It explains why Donnie is so spoiled and kind of mature at the same time. Why Mr. Hagen is always so nervous, especially when it came to Donnie. She gets up and walks to the window 
and looks out at the front yard. It's a big full moon, and she can see that there's a car parked on the street in front of the house. Of course, she thinks that this has to be from the caller before, and she starts to freak out. And then there's a fade out. So we don't know what happens with the car in the front. Maybe I have no idea. The next morning, we meet Jenny's mom, who works in a law office and is trying very hard to, you know, put a few pounds on Jenny. She's made some pancakes. She's saying, eat. And mom teases Jenny about Chuck, who apparently called their house the night before, wanting the phone number and the address for the Hagens. He told Jenny's mom that Jenny had asked him to stop by, but had forgotten to give him the information. It's okay, though, because mom gave him the number and the address. But she's still kind of giving Jenny shit about trying to hook up with, like, her boyfriend while she's supposed to be working. So maybe it was Chuck who called. What do you think? Is Chuck a psycho? Do we know yet? I get the vibe, but I'm not ultimately, like, sure. I'm not sure yet. He does a really good job of keeping us kind of on the fence about Chuck. So Ginny asks her mom, you know, what what would you think if I kind of quit this babysitting job? You know, because she's, she's kind of freaked out. But her mom reminds right. her, you know, they really actually need the money. You know, can she just stick with it? I guess there's not a dad in the picture. They're struggling to pay bills. I don't know. Ginny agrees, and she heads off to the mall to meet Laura. Laura does not think it could be Chuck, okay? Chuck's kind of a weirdo, but he's a big teddy bear. He wouldn't scare anybody like that. Oh, Laura, you've spent five minutes talking about Jenny's problems, but now let's talk about all the boys that you're dating. She is currently broken up with her boyfriend so that she can go out with Bob. That is the same Bob who she was screaming out the window at the first scene. Uh, She suggests that they go over to a store called Sock City, as she continues to tell her about Bob. Because she wants to look at socks. Cool. Socks. I would love them all with a store that called Sock City. They probably have amazing socks. We had a sock store at the mall at Christmas time. That was like just there for Christmas. And it was fun. My friend got some cool socks with Yetis on them. I love Yetis. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was a fun store. But who do you think they run into at Sock City? Chuck, who apologizes for being a creep at the pizza restaurant. And he seems to truly not know what they're talking about when Laura asks him point blank if he's the one who's calling and harassing Jenny the night before. Chuck, of course, makes some stupid joke and kind of like drags them out of the store. And they all walk over to the movie theater. And Chuck asks if they want to see the movie that's playing. It hasn't started yet, so it's perfect timing. Laura says she has to go home, but that the two of them should just, you know, go together. Jenny says she's not sure, but Chuck works that charm. And he asks her, please, and says it'll be his treat. So this is a bona fide date. And she decides to go and that, you know, she actually has a good time with him. For some reason, he's able to switch things off and be a person. And they have a good date. They enjoy the movie. Good. I'm glad he wasn't a creep. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) We'll see about Chuck. So there's a fade out, right? Now it's Thursday night. And Donnie is begging Jenny for yet another story before going to bed. She says, no, twerp, time for bed. 
And the little punk says that he knows some really bad words. And does she want to hear some? Now me, I'd say yes. But she shuts him down and tells him yeah. to go to sleep. Well, I definitely want to test his kid's vocabulary. So it'd be interesting to see what he says. Yeah, I'd be like, what do you know? <laughs> what do you know? What does that mean? What do you think it means? That's the best. <laughs> Heading back downstairs, she hears that damn clock ticking away again. So she pulls out her Walkman. She puts in a new Bangles tape. And she tries to shut out the sounds of the house. And maybe try to get some homework done. But instead, she just ends up doing that, you know that thing, like um, like when you're vacuuming and you think you hear things because there's yeah. noise and you're listening for things as well. Yeah. So yeah, so she's doing that. It's driving her nuts. So she takes off her headphones. She goes to find a snack. And she's kind of getting tired. So she's trying to stay awake at this point. She's trying to be responsible. She's supposed to be watching him. She can't fall asleep. She thinks about Tuesday after school when Chuck came over to her house after dinner and instantly won over her mother. So Chuck's now been on two dates with Jenny. And she's thinking about Chuck when the phone rings. It's that same raspy voice from Saturday night asking if she's all alone. She is listening hard, but she still can't tell if it's Chuck or not. Jenny yells into the receiver that she's calling the police, and the voice just replied, He'll be here soon. And then the fun can really begin. And then there's a click, and the phone goes dead. Okay, now she's freaked out enough to call the police. But I'm very confused about this. Instead of calling 911, she calls the operator. Okay. And again, I'm going to explain it for the infants in the room. There used to be a person who worked for the phone company who would sit in an office. And if you picked up your phone and only hit the zero key, that person would pick up and try to connect you to the person you were trying to get a hold of. Like kind of like a real life Siri. But it was a person. So she calls the operator. She asks to be connected to the police. And after some questions about which station she's trying to call into, the operator gives her the number for the local police station. The phone at the station. I don't understand either. I mean, maybe she felt like it wasn't an emergency enough to call 911. Because I've done that before. I've called the police station when it wasn't an emergency. But she feels like she's in danger. I feel like it would have just, I don't know. Any hoodles, the phone at the station is answered by an Officer Mertz. Officer Mertz is, of course, less than helpful, right? He's suggesting that the calls Jenny are getting, you know, they could just be a friend pulling a prank on her. Jenny's like, well, you know, that's possible. Mertz tells her, you know, don't worry. Most of the time, the jerks who make these kind of calls, they never leave the house. They're happy to just get (laughs) off on scaring people. You're not really in danger. But since there has been some attacks on people who are just in your same situation exactly, uh, here's the number of Officer Ferris, who was working that case. And he says, you know, if she gets any more calls or if someone tries to get into the house, call that number and talk to Officer Ferris. He also suggests that she should call a friend to come over and be with her while she finishes babysitting so that she doesn't feel so scared. Jenny agrees and gets off the phone. 
And she's feeling a lot better now, okay? At the very least, she's got someone to call for help if she needs it. She goes up to check on Donnie, who's still sleeping, and she hears a knock at the front door. She slowly descends the steps and stops at the bottom landing. The knock comes again, but louder. She goes to the front window to look out to see if she can see a car or the person standing at the door, and when she pulls the drapes back, she's face to face with a nightmare. A face, a distorted and deformed face, all dripping fangs and gore, and she screams. And then Chuck takes off his rubber mask and starts laughing his ass off. Okay, well, now I'm no longer like him. We're no longer Team Chuck? Nope. Okay, well, Jenny agrees. She's pissed, okay? What an asshole. Jen, Jenny opens the door to yell at him, but once again, Chuck is taking things too far. He cannot stop laughing at his own joke, and he asks if he can come in and see her. And she tells him to fuck right off. His prank wasn't funny, and she doesn't want to see him right now. And she goes to shut the door in his face, but he blocks it with his shoe. And then he changes <laughs> tactics. He he kind of gets sobered up. He, he apologizes for scaring her. He says, oh, you know, it's really cold out here on this porch. Can I please come in? Like, just for a few minutes. And like a dope. She falls for it. She lets him in. And he's being all Chuck about it, right? He's cracking jokes, whatnot. And Donnie comes downstairs wanting to know who the hell Chuck is. <laughs> but Chuck is a big a kid as Donnie. And they're both kind of twerps. So, like, he immediately wins Donnie over. He lets him try on the monster mask. He starts making promises about, oh, I'll come back next time and read a story or we'll play games. And Donnie is in love with Chuck, right? Because Chuck's a big kid. Of course. So he insists that Chuck tucks him in. And Chuck's like, okay, cool. I'll tuck him in. And and then I'll come back down and we can talk. Jenny agrees. And when Chuck gets back down to the couch in the living room, he cozies up to Jenny. To apologize. With his tongue. And she's into it. She's oh, all about it. Ago, she was over it. Well, I guess he Chuck must be real good at apologizing. Um, and then she remembers about the calls, and she decides, you know what? I'm gonna I can't enjoy myself until I know what's going on. So I'm gonna ask him straight up if he's the one who's calling. He surprisingly admits it. He said it was him that called. That you know he he was going to tell her, but. And before he could finish what he was saying, there was a loud crash. Chuck says that he thinks that it came from outside, but Jenny runs up to check on Donnie just in case. Donnie's okay, and Jenny meets Chuck back in the living room. He asks if she wants to call the cops, and she says no, you know, it could be just like a raccoon or something. So she digs around in a, in a drawer and she finds a flashlight and she says she's going to go out and check, right? And Chuck should watch from inside the house, you know, and if anything happens, 
He's to call the police. Sounds good, but really, Chuck is, you know, with her. Should be fine, I guess. He just admitted to calling her while babysitting, but okay. So she goes out to check, right? And Jenny being Jenny, she's freaking herself out. She's jumping at every, like, moving leaf or bush. And then she notices that there's a light on coming from somewhere. It's coming from the Hagen's garage. So she clicks off the flashlight and just waits. And then she hears a cough. A man's cough. Uh, now what? Jenny? A man's cough. Coming from the garage. Danielle, what would you do? You're, you're in the dark and someone is there who shouldn't be. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, I would not. I would run away. I would not be there. I'd be like, yes, goodbye. Yes, run away. No. Run away. Right. Run away. Yes. Yeah. We're running away. But no, Jenny has some big old why, lady balls. Yeah, why would I? Yeah. She clicks on the flashlight and starts to call who's there it's just mr willers you know the neighbor he apologizes for scaring her but you know he thought he saw a prowler in the hagen's yard and he came over to try and like creep up and catch the guy take him by surprise sure that sounds legit. And then he asks her if she's all alone in the house. And of course she says no, that she has a friend over. And she's like, what was that crash? We heard a crash. And Mr. Willer's like, oh yeah, when I was in the garage, I knocked over a wood pile. But don't worry. I'll have it all cleaned up before the Hagens get home. You go back inside. Sorry, I scared you. Now we've established that I'm not a fan of neighbors or people in general. No. But even the people that I know that, like, are friendly with their neighbors, I feel like they don't just, like, come hang out in their garage when they're not home. No. No. That's not like, a thing. A, why is your, like, why is your garage open? A. Right. B, why do they have access to your garage if it's not open? C, no. <laughs> C, no. Very no. good point. Like, eloquently put. we know our neighbors, you know, for the most part, like we have established like, hi, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. If there's an emergency, let us, you know, kind of a thing, you know, like, and they're very nice and whatever. But like, yeah, they wouldn't, if I found them in my garage, I would call the police. They would, Why? Same, Why same. Like, there's only one neighbor that we have that actually like, we can see from our house and she's this sweet little old lady. And like, there was a, a house fire, a couple of houses down like a few weeks ago. And I went over and chatted with her, you know, for 20 some minutes about it, but that's it. Like you stay over there and I stay over here and you shouldn't be over here and I shouldn't be over there. I don't know. Right. Um, so that was weird. So she does. Okay. Chuck's, Chuck's there waiting for her to warm her up from being outside. And she tells him, no, you know, leave. Don't come back. Thanks for being a creep, but, you know, boy, bye. Chuck asks her to, you know, just let me explain. He, he did get the Hagen's number from her mom. He just wanted to call her to talk to her and ask her out. But when she answered the phone, he had this, like, panic attack. 
he started breathing really heavily and like he couldn't speak. He was trying to get out words, but just sounds came out. He he really likes her. Okay. He likes her so much. But he couldn't so deal with what was happening. It was such a disaster. He 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 just hung up the phone, right? And he wanted to tell her sooner, but you know, they they'd been having a really nice time going out. He didn't want to ruin it. Jenny agrees that that sounds like it could be true. But what about all the other times he called? And Chuck seems confused. He says he never called again. He never made another call to the Hagens after that first call. And she tells him about the other calls with the threats. And Chuck is appalled that she thinks that he would do that. So she's not sure whether to believe him or not. But I guess we have our answer because the opening of the next chapter is the two of them making out hardcore in the living room and then pushing Chuck out of the back door when the Hagens come home early. I, I guess we I guess we trust Chuck. Um, so the Hagens come in all kinds of like suspicious. Mr. Hagen is like grilling Jenny about how the night went and, you know, what went down in the house when they were out. Mr. Hagen says that, or Mrs. Hagen says, you know what? She's really fed up with the way that Mr. Hagen is acting. He's always high strung. You know, he needs to just simmer down. Stop grilling the sitter. Go get her coat. Go take her home. And he does. He takes Jenny home. And when they get to Jenny's house, Mr. Hagen says that he just wants to make things perfectly clear. That the only rule that he has about his babysitters is that there are no visitors allowed. He knows that, you know, sometimes kids invite their friends over to help keep them company while they babysit, but he is not here for it. And she needs to understand that she can't come and babysit for them anymore if she's going to have people over. She says she understands, and then she gets out and goes up the walk to their house, to her house, excuse me, to her house. Wow, can't talk. So we've been thoroughly threatened by Mr. Hicken. The next day, Jenny is in gym class, and they're playing volleyball. And Jenny hates volleyball, too. And Laura accidentally <laughs> knocks a ball right into Jenny's face. Laura um, takes her to the oh. locker room to lay down. The bell rings for the next class. Laura asks Jenny if she wants her to stay with her, if she's feeling dizzy or anything like that. And she's like, no, go on. I'll catch up to you. I'm, I'm feeling be better already. Jenny reaches into her bag for something and finds a folded up note in there. And in big block serial killer letters are the words, Hi babes, all alone in that big house, company is coming. Jenny starts to panic, but she realizes quickly that the only person that was close enough to her bag last night to slip a note in was Chuck. So what do we think? Is it hmm. Chuck? That would be the obvious choice. I feel like we're being pushed towards Chuck. Else. Yeah. It's a yeah, little too obvious. Pushed too close. It's too on the nose. Yeah. Agree. Like, agree. Mm -hmm. So now Jenny is on the bus to the Hagens again. She gets off. She starts walking up the street when she realizes that she's being followed. She looks back. She thinks that she sees the outline of Mr. Willers the creepy neighbor. 
he starts kind of like picking up speed. So she starts to run for it. She makes a sprint for the Hagen's door. She makes it up the steps and the door opens. Mr. Hagen is there asking her what's wrong and he starts to take her coat and Jenny says that she was followed here from the bus stop. She says, it's your neighbor, Mr. Willers. Mr. Hagen stops and says they don't have a neighbor. He doesn't know any Mr. Willers and that the house next door to them has been vacant for the last six months. Donnie shows up and wants to play hide and seek and Jenny says no. Mr. Hagen cannot believe that some creep told her that he was their neighbor and that maybe they shouldn't go out tonight. You think, Mr. Hagen? But Mrs. Hagen is insistent. Her friends will never talk to her again if they don't meet them for dinner tonight. Mr. Hagen finally agreed, but only after making Jenny lock all the doors and keep all the lights on and to call the police at the first sign of anything fishy. Donnie is still whining about hide-and-seek, but Mr. Hagen says that, you know, he should watch the tape that they rented for him, the tape that they rented for him instead. It's poltergeist. Okay, real quick here. Do you feel like maybe the Hagens are in some kind of a, like a group? Uh, yeah. Like, like where we all put happened. keys in a fishbowl kind of a thing? Yeah, something's F. I don't, it's making me weird. Something's weird. weird about that, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Sean just came home and let both of the dogs in at once. It's okay. Okay. And now they're going to kill each other. Okay. okay. <laughs> so that's that's something to think about. Bye. I think they might be up to something. Also, mm-hmm. who rents their kid yeah, poltergeist something. and like suggests that they watch that to help them go to sleep? Especially yeah. at this time, this 89. I mean, I, I, know some, I know some spooky kids, but... I don't, that doesn't help you go to sleep. Well, especially not that one. Right? Yeah. That one's yeah. too much. Too much. Like, right I'm not bed. scared by much. And that one. That was I'm not that scared was by much anymore. That one freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that still one freaks rough. me out. Like, it still freaks me out. Because, like, I believe in that stuff. Like, I believe in, like, you know, if you're buried on some shit or, like, something's weird. Like, vibes are real. Like, if that could come out of your TV. But vibes are real. Do you know what that movie did for me? It in the opening credits of that movie, there's all that creepy like la la music. La la. Yes, la, the la la. la, la. So now, <laughs> anytime a movie opens with the creepy la las, I have a real hard time progressing. Um, who was it? La, la. Rosemary's <laughs> Baby is like that too. It has the creepy oh, la las. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, they're the. That's the. That's the uh, OG creepy lalas, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's what I I had a big problem with that. And also, I think Poltergeist was probably sure. the first movie I saw that was not over when I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just because I was a kid and I didn't like know that there's still a lot of the movie left and there's no way that it's over. Uh, but that where was one of those think where it I was ended. Well, because so like she, Tangina comes in and she cleanses the house and then right. they're kind of like packing up and she's like, right. you know, going to dye her hair and Carol Ann is back. 
you know, and I thought, oh, this is a really nice mm-hmm. ending, you know, and then it all went to hell, um, literally. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't remember an experience before that where I thought it was over and it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Maybe there was, but off the top of my head, I can't think of one. But yeah, you get into like a relaxed place and you're like, oh, okay. And then, <laughs> like, oh, it's and the La La music. Everything's great. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Okay. So, yeah. It's, so I digress. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> our spooky kid, Donnie, is not impressed by Poltergeist. He falls asleep halfway through it. Okay. okay. She, t- well, she takes him upstairs, <laughs> tucks him into bed. Uh, and when she goes back down, back downstairs, she looks around for a minute before hearing footsteps. But these are different. These footsteps are fast. Like someone is running in the back hallway. She freezes and she sees Mr. Hagen kind of like limping towards her as fast as he could. And he says that, you know, he had a really bad feeling and he came back home. Is Donnie okay? He, he just had a really, really bad feeling. Where's Donnie? So Jenny, he's limping and running? Yeah, he's like limp running. You know? Okay. We've seen enough fi- like final girls fall and limp run. You're right. You're right. I was just clarifying that's what was happening. <laughs> So Ginny insists, Donnie's fine. You know, she's upstairs, He or he's upstairs right where she left him. So Mr. Hagen goes up to check on it. Ginny is getting ready to go when Mr. Hagen yells for her. Donnie is not in his bed. Donnie is missing. So they start moving through the house. They're calling out for Donnie. They are both having freak out panic attacks. Jenny is freaking out to the point where she's seeing like flashes of light in front of her eyes. She's probably going to black out in any second. But Mr. Hagen is, is running through the house calling for Donnie. When Donnie, who wanted to play hide and seek, crawls out from under a bed, declaring that he got them good. And Mr. Hagen oh, scoops him up and starts hugging him. Now, me, I would probably have a different reaction. But Mr. Hagen is grateful that yeah. the kid is alive. Thank saying, you. yeah, mm, all right, kid. He's so glad he's all right. But just about then, Mrs. Hagen shows up. Okay, this is where it gets weirder. She's asking why the hell Mr. Hagen left her at the party. She thought he was what shooting party? pool with one. Yeah, they were supposed to be going out to dinner, right? Aren't they meeting her friends for dinner who are never going to talk to her again? Apparently, yeah. there's some kind of party. And she thought that he was okay. shooting pool. I don't know if that's a euphemism with one of her friend's husbands. <laughs> downstairs right i'm telling oh. you the hagans are swingers thousand percent that's why we need a babysitter two I nights a week so. it's a key party it's a key party everybody they have a, they have a commitment <sighs> right or what's the thing there's a pineapple outside right it's okay. that's, isn't that the I thing like, pineapples were nice no <laughs> i thought that like pineapple like if there was a pineapple near the door like that signifies like the swinger really? house I never I heard that. I always did I make that up? Pineapples. I always associated pineapples with like housewarming. Like, you know, you give it like it's a new house. Here's a pineapple. But like No, I don't think like a dirty real and- pineapple, like a decorative pineapple. Oh, like a lawn pineapple. Or like something like mounted up on like the it's like the red light, right? 
I don't know. Um, okay. Maybe I made that up. Let us know in the Facebook group if Christy is crazy and makes up stuff about pineapples and sex parties. Are Who knows? You crazy? It's possible. New poll. New poll. I will put it up. Don't think I won't. It's that kind of a group. Um, so he uh, was apparently supposed to be playing pool with one of her friend's husbands. Mr. Hagen explains, you know, he just had a terrible feeling. He was only going to step out for a minute to check on Donnie. And Mrs. Hagen is done. She's like, you are crazy. You are acting crazy. I'm, I'm sick of your shit. You should just drive Jenny home. And at this point, Jenny is ready AF to go. Stuff's getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. She would like to be ejected from this situation. So they drive back to her house in silence. Awkward. And when he gets to Jenny's house, he tries to apologize again. But Jenny's like, yep, thanks, great. And she gets out of the car. She goes up to her room and she decides she's only going to sit for them for like a few more nights. And then she's going to quit. That should be enough money to help with bills for a while. She'll find some other job. And then the phone rings. It's Chuck. He says he wants to talk to her. Why has she been avoiding him? She denies it, but he says, you know, look, I, I just want to talk to you. I really like you. I like you a lot. And he wants to come over to study on Thursday while she's babysitting. Study. Mm -hmm. You know, study. And she's, you know, it's random study. No, no specific subject. Just, you know, high schoolers are very studious. Um, <laughs> so she says, sure, that might be fun. But uh, she's going to invite Laura, too. Chuck asks in like kind of a joking way if she's afraid to be alone with him. And she's like, ha, no. <laughs> but he says, you know, that's cool. He's excited. Friday night's going to be special. And then he hangs up. Oh, excuse me. Thursday night's going to be special. So now it's Thursday night. And Jenny has just put Donnie to bed after making a promise you know, after making him promise not to play any more jokes on his babysitter. Sure, that'll work. There's a knock at the door, and it's Chuck and Laura and Eugene, Laura's old boyfriend. Eugene is the guy that Laura dumped to date Bob. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I missed his name was Eugene. So yeah, so it's Laura's old boyfriend. So Jenny's shocked. She lets them all in. And Laura just shrugs her shoulders as if to say, you know, she felt like bringing him. And then Laura and Eugene break off to the den to do whatever they want to do by themselves. Alone in a den in a house that's not theirs. Um, leaving Chuck and Jenny alone in the living room. So this all escalated rather quickly. Jenny still has her doubts about Chuck. But here's the thing. Chuck is a really good kisser and after like a good 10 minutes of making that out again. eugene pops his head in from the den and he's like hey bro you left your uh, headlights on chuck looks out onto the street and sure enough the headlights were on in his car that's that's weird he doesn't remember leaving them on he says you know i'll be right back so he heads out to turn him off and right after the front door closes behind him 
Jenny hears a noise in the kitchen. She goes to check it out. And she has some like random flashback about like walking into the kitchen and seeing her mom chop carrots, which has nothing to do with anything. I'm not sure why I even wrote it down. She goes back (laughs) into the living room to find Chuck there waiting for her on the couch. He says, it's so cold outside. She needs to come over to the couch and warm him up. She goes, and after like a few kisses, she looks up and jumps out of her fucking skin because Mr. Hagen is standing behind the couch. He's staring down at them and he does not look happy. He yells out and kind of like reaches for both of them in an aggressive manner. Right? And then Mrs. Hagen comes in from nowhere. And before she can even ask what's going on, Laura and Eugene appear from the den. <laughs> okay. Laura is all kind of like must and her lipstick's pretty smeared. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> suspicious. Not suspicious. It's um it's not hard to to tell what was maybe going on in the den. Right. Um yeah. Like you do. It's a den of sin. Ooh. I love it. Well, we've talked about what the hell is the den for anyway. Maybe that's the hookup room. Right. Mr. Hagen looks like he's ready to explode with rage, but Mrs. Hagen restrains him. She says that, you know what? Jenny's friends are leaving and they're going to have a talk with Jenny. This is not really a big problem. And then she goes up to check on Donnie. Chuck kind of mutters an apology. He tells Jenny, you know, I'm going to go back to your house and wait for you. Because they both knew that Jenny was in for a really long lecture from the Hagens. She goes upstairs to grab her coat to be ready to leave because she's ready for this all to be over. She opens the Hagens' coat closet door and finds her down jacket. As she pulls it out, a cardboard box falls open on the floor. And the box is full of newspaper clippings. Some were about the attacks on babysitters. Some were about babysitters that had caused the death of the kids they were supposed to be watching. But all of them involved babysitters in some manner. And in all the articles, every time the word babysitter appears, someone has circled it in red marker. Holy shit. Mr. Hagen was nuts. (laughs) And he was standing right behind her. He's pulling on a pair of leather gloves and asking her if she's ready to go home. Jenny offers to take the bus. Well, it's cold. You know, it's not that weird. I would too. Jenny offers to take the bus, but Mr. Hagen won't hear hear of it. He leads her out to the car. And they're driving in silence for a while before Jenny realizes they're not going the right way. In fact, they're heading out of town. She looks down at the door handle, thinking that she might be able to jump out of the car, but Mr. Hagen just says quietly and calmly that he wouldn't try it. He was going pretty fast. She could get really hurt jumping out of a car at this speed. He continues that he was sorry that she saw the newspaper clippings, but you know, it doesn't really matter. 
He goes on to say he had a baby once, a little girl, but the babysitter wasn't smart enough or fast enough or good enough, but it's okay. Jenny will get what's coming to her. And then he just said that company's coming and smiled to himself. He says that his little girl died and now she will too. That he tried to warn her. And then he slams on the brakes and Jenny hits her head on the dash hard. The car skids out and stops. And when she starts to kind of figure out what's happening, she realizes she's being pulled from the car. And Mr. Hagen slaps the shit out of her. He open palm smacks her and it brings on stars. She looks around and realizes they're at the old rock quarry. They're about 10 miles out of town. He drags her to the edge of the quarry and he says that his daughter died and now it's Jenny's turn. Does she want to jump or be pushed? What do you think, Danielle? Do you want to jump or be pushed? I'd want to jump on my own accord. Yeah, same. I wouldn't want someone to push me. Yeah, because fuck them, right? Um, Jenny is screaming that she is not the babysitter that killed his daughter, but he doesn't hear her. As he inches toward her, they're both hit by a set of headlights from an oncoming car. And a male voice calls out to Mr. Hagen, saying that he doesn't have to do this. Jenny is able to focus on the voice and sees it's Mr. Willers. He's holding a pistol on Mr. Hagen. Mr. Hagen just yells that she has to die and he takes a step and a hard push at Jenny. Jenny collapses to the left at the very last moment and Mr. Hagen goes sailing over the edge and down into the quarry. There is this loud, simultaneous squish and crack and Mr. Hagen is dead. Mr. Willers comes over to help Jenny back into the car and he explains that his real name is Ferris. Detective Ferris. He says that he has been staking out Mr. Hagen for a month now. That a few years ago, Mr. Hagen's daughter died while at home with a sitter, but nobody really knew how the the, the baby had died. The only thing that they knew is that it wasn't the sitter's fault. Mr. Hagen went crazy and beat the shit out of the sitter before the cops got there. He didn't actually end up doing any jail time for it because they said that he was in a state of emotional distress and he wasn't aware of what he was doing. But when the attacks on babysitters started to happen, they narrowed in on him as a suspect. And Detective Ferris admits that they kind of used her as bait. Ferris drives her home. Chuck is waiting with her mother. They're all worried because it's been like an hour since Chuck left the Hagens. Detective Ferris explains the whole sad mess and, Jenny tell, and tells Jenny to get some rest. And then he leaves. I assume he's coming back for a statement later, but whatever. Um, Mom and Chuck take her inside. And Mom says that, you know, while she was out, another neighbor called and asked if she wanted to babysit for them on Friday night. And Chuck announces that she's already busy on Friday nights from now on. Because she'll be babysitting him. 
And that's how it ends. Wow. Well, I didn't totally see it coming since they were pushing us toward Chuck, but I guess we should have figured. Uh, yeah, I knew there's something weird, but yeah. I thought they might be in it together, like the parents. Mm. And but then I also that thought that there was something creepy with the kid. Like there was a lot of different yeah. ways this could go. Like, are they covering up for the kid or what? Maybe. Like, I thought about that too. Like, maybe Donnie kills his babysitters. That would be cool. Yeah. That would but be a no, thing. No, it was Mr. Hagen. Honestly, and I'm going to get some hate mail for this. I <laughs> don't get why this one is that popular. Yeah, I it don't was... either. I'm sorry. It was okay. It was well written. Like I said, it was very much mm-hmm. like a Twilight Zone kind of like slow burn in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that, but <sighs> we've read better ones. We really no have. Offense. Like we've had better killers. We've had better uh, suspense. We've had better yes. uh, flow. Like, I get that it was one of the early books, I do, but how the hell did you make four sequels off this book? Yeah, I'm very curious what the heck the sequels are. If someone loves this series, please tell us why in the Facebook group. Not like I should offend yourself, but like we're generally just curious. Like, what makes you love it? Well, and I, <laughs> and I, I, would I, like to- I completely will say that it's probably because I don't understand something. Because it always drives me insane. Like, I'll listen to podcasts that cover horror movies, and I was listening to one that they were doing, um, like, a whole series on, like, the classics, right? So they did, um, you know, Hellraiser and the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the original um, Friday the 13th, and then in with that, they did Evil Dead. I love Evil Dead. I... I'm one of those nerds that has seen it many, many times. I may even have a t-shirt that says, I heart Ash. I love Evil Dead. But these ladies did not get it. They hated it. They they didn't understand. But it was only because nobody had, like, explained why it was great. So I, I'm willing to say that, like, I just don't understand why it's great. Yeah. I mean, Evil Dead's a tough one for people. So I kind of get that. But that's, yeah, I mean... I think that's part of it. You just don't, you're like, you hate to be like, you just don't get it. But like, you just don't get it. You just like, don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. there's people out there Not right now. Like, yeah. They're yelling at, at us that we just don't get it. So I'm not saying it was bad. It was okay. But I think we've read better. Up till now. So yeah. So there you go. There's the babysitter. Yeah. And all the sequels that I don't, it's got to be like, what, the next, it it either has to be completely different babysitter or like, it's got to be Mrs. Hagen, maybe? I don't know. Because we never got any closure with her because she was weird too. Right. I don't know. I don't know. So yes, please let us know. Let us know in the Facebook group. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. Uh, there's some cool things happening mm-hmm. in the Facebook group. Danielle, would you like to talk about one of the cool things that are happening in the Facebook group right now? 
we're in the middle of death match. So we're posting, well, Christine, because she's awesome, is posting a villain from Fear Street and then a villain from Goosebumps. And they're facing off in who is, who's like the worst, I guess. Who's the better villain, right? So. Well, technically it was supposed to be who would win in a fight, but a thousand percent people are, are just voting for like who their favorite <laughs> is, like who the better villain is. Because I am sorry, yeah. but there's no way in hell that Chuck in the mask is is gonna is is winning any fight. He's an old man. I mean, we can hit him with a car. Like seriously, there's not a lot of people that that would not be able to defeat Chuck. But That's Chuck has made true. it to like yeah, round three or four. Just- we're just playing our favorites, I think. Yeah, we totally are. Um, but cool, whatevs. I'm not mad about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yes, so death keep match. voting. We appreciate your participation in Deathmatch. And, yeah, if you have anything else you want us to do in the Facebook group, send us a Facebook message through the Facebook page, our Snacks with Stein page. We respond and we'll say hello and take your ideas. So let us know if there's stuff you want to see there. I know it's kind of quiet. We try our best to post. And, yeah, let us know what you guys want to see from us there. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So next week, Danielle is going to, not next week. So next episode, Danielle is going to take us back to Goosebumps with Attack of the Mutant. And was was that a Patreon request? It was either a Patreon request from Andy Lincoln or it was his um, contest winning request. request. I can't remember. Gotcha. He okay. had to. So it was either one, but it was requested by our dear Andy. So it was his. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So be excited. Come back and see us for that one in a couple of weeks. And we will see you then. But until next time, we are out. Like the D and F keys on Christie's phone. Son of a bitch. Bye. Bye.